0: When Carolyn Forché was 27, she went to El Salvador. It was the late 70s, and the Civil War hadn't broken out yet, but that wouldn't take long. People were being kidnapped every day. Some were never heard from again. Others were found by the side of the road, with their bellies cut open and limbs hacked off. Union workers, priests and nuns, farmers anyone the military dictatorship saw as a danger. When she came back to the United States, Carolyn Fauché published the poem that made her famous, The Colonel, about her visit to the home of one of these military leaders. Here are a few lines from it.
1: What you have heard is true. I was in his house. His wife carried a tray of coffee and sugar, His daughter filed her nails. His son went out for the night. The moon swung bare on its black cord over the house. On the television was a cop show. The parrot said hello on the terrace. The colonel told it to shut up and pushed himself from the table. The colonel returned with a sack used to bring groceries home. He spilled many human ears on the table. He took one of them in his hands, shook it in our faces, dropped it into a water glass. Many people, many poets, were uh, very upset that I would write about such things. And why? Because poetry shouldn't be political. Oh, wow. <laughs> We were always taught to close read, and nothing mattered but what was on the page. And that's all well and good, and the art of close reading is a wonderful practice. But it does exclude certain realities. We don't write in an hermetically sealed chamber. We write out of a consciousness that's formed by our time, by what Pablo Neruda calls the fires of our time.
0: This is Poetry Off The Shelf. I'm the new producer of the podcast, Helena De Groot. This week, What You Have Heard Is True, the new memoir by Carolyn Fauché. In this memoir, Carolyn takes us back to El Salvador in the late 70s, when the country was on the brink of civil war. And she tells us how she even ended up there. It all started at her house in Encinitas, California when a man she didn't know came to visit. His name was Lionel.
1: Some people thought that he was with the guerrillas. Some people thought he worked for the CIA. There was lots of speculation about him. And, you know, he he was quite mysterious and brilliant, and his mind was very interesting.
0: He spent three days telling her about his country, and he took the long view from Mayan civilization to the conquest of the Americas, all the way to the present with the military dictatorship. And at the end of his visit, he asked her to come with him so that she could learn something.
1: I didn't decide to do that right away. I talked to a lot of people, none of whom thought this was a good idea, <laughs> but eventually someone encouraged me to go, so I I did.
0: In early January of 1978, Carolyn arrived at the airport in San Salvador, and Leonel started driving her around.
1: Thickets of banana palm, bamboo, and saba walled the roadside, and a hard white sun wetted the leaves. The Jeep engine was the only sound, and there was no wind. We went on and on. Bouncing, downshifting, lunging from side to side to avoid the deepest holes.
0: Mm-hmm. You really know how to look. And and I was just wondering, before you went to El Salvador, were these the kinds of things that you would notice?
1: Well, you, I think poets tend to develop this um, practice of attention, mm-hmm. you know, and it's Uh, Poetry is a form of attention.
0: Not that paying attention was always easy. One of the most harrowing scenes in the book is when Lionel takes her to a prison and Carolyn makes up some story to the security guards and gets inside. The first thing that hits her is the smell. Smoke, human waste, blood. And then she walks into a room she's definitely not supposed to see. I don't want to go into what you saw. I think that's something that people have to read for themselves. But I do want to say that afterwards you break out in hives. And uh, when you get back to the car, you throw up. Mm-hmm. Um, the image returns in nightmares for a long while after. Yes. So what I want to know is how you make yourself, how you don't turn away or how you don't let your emotions get the better of you and, and, and override all of your attention.
1: I, I made an agreement with Lionel that I would stay and see everything he wanted me to see. And if at any point I wanted to go home, that would be okay. No questions asked. I could just <laughs> go home and the journey would mm. end. And it didn't take me long to realize that I didn't want to exercise that option. I did not want to go home. I wanted to see everything that he wanted me to see. But it's very difficult. Um, 27 journalists were were murdered in El Salvador. Uh, I eventually realized that, that there's no such thing really as being protected. My passport wasn't protecting me. My identity wasn't protecting me. And nothing was protecting anyone. Nothing, nothing.
0: Soon she became a target. This American looking around and asking questions, and she started being chased by unmarked vans.
1: I do want to say that um, that we that when you are in a situation like that, you become hyper aware, hyper vigilant, mm. and your mind is shocked and shocked and shocked, and you and. So for me, every moment was retrievable in a way that, for example, other periods of my life are not. Mm. Uh, And this helped when I was going back through my memory to write this. Um, It was vivid and very, very clear.
0: And so when you began, did you have a file cabinet or a box with with notes, with pictures? What did you have?
1: I have many boxes. Mm-hmm. I had about 20 or 30 notebooks with a mm-hmm. little, all of them kept in pencil. They were very messy notebooks, but they were, I think, the writing that helped me to get through. My husband was a photographer there, um, and we had all of his photographs and some of mine. I had clippings and... I had all the files on the desaparecidos, you know, the people who had disappeared. I had my human rights files. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of things. And I also had a lot of objects. I had a a bullet that had entered my husband's camera lens, and we had a tin plate that had been shot full of bullet holes from a village. And so I I had these things, too. Mm -hmm. And they were kind of in a jumble, a little bit of a mess. But even sorting that out helped me, Mm -hmm. you know, and... I just um began
0: but not right away. In fact, she didn't start until 23 years after coming back.
1: There were many factors in taking a long time to write it. I couldn't write continuously. I I've taught now for 45 years and I was all the while teaching and I also had some health challenges, and I was raising a son, and there were many, many things that, um, as women writers all know, yeah. you know, we, mm-hmm. our lives are a bit fragmented. But I think the real reason didn't have anything to do with health crises or child rearing. I think it had to do with, with getting ready to write it. I had to mm-hmm. mature, and I had to recover, yeah. and I think I had to get some perspective and lose my fear of writing a prose account Uh of this story. But I knew all along that one day I would have to do this.
0: There were many reasons why she wanted to write the book. To help others who wanted to make a similar journey. To help out the Salvadorans who would knock on her office door with so many questions. People who had come to the United States as kids, but whose parents wouldn't or couldn't talk about the country they had left behind. And for all of us watching
1: the news. People don't pick their children up in their arms and with a little rucksack of nothing run through thousands of miles of desert to try to get away unless what they're running away from is so terrifying that they can't imagine anything worse being ahead of them.
0: But there was one more reason.
1: I promised Leonel Mm -hmm. that I would someday write it. And, you know, I'm not getting any younger. So I thought, (laughs) all right, it's time to do it. Yeah. In your acknowledgement, you said that the poet Ilya Kaminsky actually said, um, it's time. (laughs) Yes. Do you know why he said that? Well, I've known Ilya since he was 19 years old. And, um, Mm. you know, we we were very close. And he knew that this was, um, he knew that I had to do this and that I was, putting it off and that I didn't (laughs) quite feel equal to it. And he finally very gently and lovingly said, you know, it's time for you to do this now. You must do it. And so I began.
0: It's been 40 years since that first trip. Um, How do you look back on it?
1: Well, it was a gift I was given, which is the gift of an education. And I'm trying to pass it on and i think that i'm very grateful to leonel and everyone else who yeah. who took this you know young 27 year old gringa and helped her to <laughs> see something you know they really did and i'm very grateful yeah yeah that is also wonderful in the book
0: that it is made clear and over and over that this is not you know for them this is for you
1: yeah so that you may learn you may right. see right and and I was always who I was. I I was a little bit of a pill, as we used to say. I I pushed back a lot. What does that you mean? Know? Uh, what it was an expression we used to use in the fifties and sixties. It means you know, a, a little troublesome. You know, I would I I didn't <laughs> just go along all the time. You know, I I yeah. got into little spats with Lionel, and I I was frustrated. Um, I wanted to learn everything quickly. I wanted him to just explain to me. And what he understood was, some things aren't learned by explanation. Some things are learned experientially. And some things I would have to figure out for myself, and there's no other way. You know, you can't... um, There's some things you just have to do. You can't um, read about them. You know, I have, for example, I have a lot of books about yoga. Uh, and I read mm-hmm. about yoga, but I don't actually do yoga. And so I know a lot about <laughs> yoga, but it has no effect on me because I don't practice yoga. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I'm happy that you have come to a point where you can see going to a, a, a country as it descends into civil war um, is not too different from doing yoga. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's it's different, but it's a, um, I'm grateful that he was so patient. Yeah. He didn't give up on me, no matter how feisty and ornery I got, you know. Well,
0: I am grateful that you didn't give up on this project. I've put it off so long. Why start today if I can start tomorrow? Right, exactly. Um, (laughs) So thank you so much. Thank you. Carolyn Fourchet's memoir is What You Have Heard Is True. And the music in this episode is by Todd Sikafoos. You can find The Colonel and many other poems by Carolyn Fauché on the Poetry Foundation website. I'm Helena de Groot, and this was Poetry Off the Shelf. Thank you for listening.